the Timepieces History Podcast, where each bite-sized show shares the story of a place, person or object from the past. Here's your host, Gudrun Lorette. Hello and welcome to the Timepieces History Podcast. This is episode 6, which means that we're already halfway through season 2, which really seems to have flown by. Today we're looking at Tynemouth, which is down on the coast of Northumberland. A quick reminder that you can leave comments, reviews and questions on whichever platform you're listening to the show on, over on Twitter at Gudrun Lorette or on my website, where you'll also find the transcript and links for today's episode, gudrunlorette.com slash podcast. Tynemouth is one of several villages that are spread out along the coastline. It's thought that the area was lived in during prehistoric times, although the earliest known settlement belonging to the Votadini tribe dates the Iron Age, which is between 800 BC and AD 43. It sits on a headland known as Penbal Crag, overlooking the mouth of the Tyne on the north side, making it of strategic importance for hundreds of years. The Romans, as we know, had quickly spotted the potential of the River Tyne, which was used to supply goods to the forts on either side. Tynemouth was possibly used as a signal station too, as it's not far from Hadrian's Wall. It served as a fishing village, and a trading port was established by the Prior in 1325, which led to a centuries-long dispute with Newcastle over shipping rights. Later, it was popular with Victorian bathers, who frequented many of the beaches, and there was even an outdoor swimming pool at one time. The village centre has been transformed over a number of years and is now a popular night spot with pubs, bars and restaurants of all kinds catering for visitors. Riley's Fish Shack, down on the beach at King Edward's Bay, is a highly rated fish and seafood restaurant which has been featured on TV. Tynemouth Metro Station is one of three Victorian stations on the coastal line which is used by Nexus Metro but it was built originally for trains. The Grade 2 listed building was designed for the North Eastern Railway Company by William Bell and opened in 1882 and features vaulted glass roofs, wrought iron railings and a beautiful glass-walled footbridge. It is also host to a weekend market with a wide range of food, books and antique stores. The monastery was founded in the 6th or 7th century and would have been significant, along with those further up in Northumberland, such as those at Holy Island and Jarrow. King Osred II of Northumbria was buried at the church that stood on the present site in 792 AD. However, the Viking raids that attacked the other religious buildings in the county also came to Tynemouth, and it was easy for them to access it. The building was abandoned in 785 AD. The site was occupied a couple of times after that, and then William II gave the land to one Robert de Mowbray in 1090, making him Earl of Northumberland and encouraging him to be loyal to the crown. Robert then gave the land to the Benedictine monks and they built themselves a priory. During the First War of Scottish Independence, 1296 to 1328, the priory was enclosed in walls with towers for men to keep watch in case of invaders. In the 1300s, a garrison was installed and the fortifications were strengthened later that century. One possibly surprising fact is that across the northeast of England, monks were also involved in mining. The port at North Shields was established in 1225 by Prior Germanus of Tynemouth Priory, and in Durham, the monks owned pits in the 1350s at both Rainton and Ferry Hill. Both Edward I and Edward III got involved to protect the Newcastle port, which considered itself to be the most important. Edward I had the jetties at North Shields taken down, and Edward III banned Tynemouth and Durham monks from unloading coal. So, Tynemouth Castle was built around the foundations of that earlier monastery. While there was a castle of sorts there for a couple of hundred years, in de Mowbray's time it was mostly earthen ramparts under a rough wooden structure. 
After the priory was abandoned, it was made into a fortress by one Earl Tostig Godwinson, brother of the unfortunate Harold. This is the first ever episode for more about him. Tostig was hoping to restore the priory, but having been exiled by his brother, he had thrown his support behind the Norwegian king Harald Hardrada and was killed at the Battle of Stamford Bridge. When Henry VIII declared his supremacy over the Pope and made himself head of the Church of England, he had the priory seized and handed it over to have its defences improved even further. From then on, the site was a defensive rather than a religious one and played an important part in the civil war and later in defending the coast. In 1538, Henry gave the site to Sir Thomas Hilton and the monastic buildings were destroyed. Artillery fortification work began in 1545 and gun ports were added. In 1564, the 8th Earl of Northumberland, Henry Percy, whose family we looked at in the previous episode, was the guardian of the castle. The Percys were also responsible for maintaining a lighthouse which stood at the edge of the headland. However, in 1559, a staircase to the turret where the Brazier's house collapsed, making it inaccessible. In 1665, the then governor had a proper lighthouse built within the castle walls using stones from the priory, although it's not clear how they managed in the intervening 100 and odd years without an accessible lighthouse. The castle lighthouse was replaced with an oil light in 1802 and then a revolving light in 1875. St Mary's Lighthouse, further down the coast at Whitney Bay, replaced it in 1895 and the castle lighthouse was demolished in 1898. The castle then served as a barracks from the end of the 19th century and was a key defence structure during both the First and Second World Wars. You can still visit the castle today, although obviously not at the moment. Let me know if you've been. That's everything. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in next week and let me know what you think of today's episode as well. Thank you for listening to the Time Pieces History Podcast. Don't forget to listen next time for more quick history facts.